I think it's working. All right. Okay. Finally, we got it working. Oh, but we didn't. The thing that we didn't settle before we started recording was, uh, Chris, how how do you prefer that we uh, <laughs> refer to you? Do you want to use uh, your full name, your just first name, and your Twitter handle? Chris Angel Mind Freak, something like that. Yeah. No, you can use my uh, my full name as well as my Twitter handle. I don't. T- uh, what What is your surname? Uh, Smith. The most common name in the history of the world, I think. <laughs> Your Google ranking must be uh, must be tough. Well, the, the good the good thing about my name is it's actually impossible to Google any of my mug shots. You know, oh, that's right. Like uh, potential employers are like, I can't even find him. I give up. Yeah, I'm not even going to. I have the most generic name possibly in this country. So yeah, any any record of my many crimes, I don't think is is available on Google. My real estate agent that I use right now. When we were looking him up online, uh, also named Chris. His, yeah, I would. His name's Brian, <laughs> but I looked him up online, and when I googled his name. name, it came up with all these like arrest records and stuff, and it was like, oh, this guy's like, you know, got a rap sheet for like multiple counts <laughs> of fraud and stuff like that. America's most wanted. And we were like, oh, this is so weird. Like, wow, oh, man. And so we we asked him. We were like, is this you or whatever? And he's like. That fucking guy, man, he's ruining my life. <laughs> he has the exact same name spelled the exact same way. And he has like this huge criminal record. He's like, that guy destroys my business. It's terrible. Oh, man. Yeah. Is it a unique name? It's Brian Champ. So it's not that, you know, yeah. it's not that. Champ, like the like the like one of the three stooges. <laughs> right. <laughs> that stooge, man, he's he everybody may thinks I'm a joke. I'm just trying to he's sell houses out here. Fucking it up man. for everybody. I was making fun of some chud on Twitter last night, and he was like, you don't want to mess with me. I've Googled you, and I know that, like, you you talk about, oh, I found your website where you talk about Michael Tracy uh, under an assumed name, like, you pussy. Like, I, I found your super gay uh, Instagram account. Like, did your parents know? And I was like, who did you, what did you Google? I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I don't have a website. I'm pretty sure I've never talked about Michael Tracy except just to like dunk on him on Twitter. And uh, my Instagram is just food and garden pictures from like a year ago. Cause I don't use that shit anymore. They're like, yo, I'm a hacky bro. I Googled you. The, uh, the hacks are so thing. intense right now. I've triangulated your location <laughs> through your IP yeah. address and reported you to the FBI and the right, NSA, yeah. good sir. I mean, he went far enough to be like, uh, yeah, man, if you're going to start lying, like, you better be prepared to delete all this shit because, like, everybody's going to find out about you as soon as I drop all this information. I was like, I, go ahead and drop it. I don't know what you're talking He's, like, about. reading your old MySpace profile, and he's like, oh, yeah, so you like good Charlotte, huh? Oh, I yeah. Think. <laughs> oh, yeah, you were really sad in middle school. What's up? <laughs> I know everything about you. <laughs> Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast. From Arlington, Texas, I'm Matthew Hodges, joined as ever by my excellent co-host in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Williams. Brendan, how you doing tonight? I am doing good, man. I just keep watching the news and it just keeps getting better and better every day. And uh, and to help us commentate on that, we have a, a guest, kind of a kind of a drop in for you tonight. Uh, we got Chris Smith, otherwise better known as on Twitter MullerDad69 right now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That is my my newest of uh, of many um, ads. 
that I <laughs> just keep losing for some reason that we won't get into. Well, what's up, Chris? It's awesome to have you with us, man. Um, Chris Thank is you. A, a Chris is a member of Posters Union. What are we right now? Sixty nine four twenty. Yes, that's right. I can't believe that was available. Uh, we we were talking in the DM, and you know we get all sorts of cool guests, and some of the Posters Union said. Hey, you should get Chris on because he's a very funny guy. We'll see about that. Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I do. Just have to preface this with the fact that I, I, I do have a cold right now. So, so all of my jokes that fall flat, and any time that you know I, I appear to actually be a big dummy, that's just it's completely attributed to me <laughs> being sick right now. So let me just get that out of the way. <laughs> is, is that also why you sound like a, a New York guy, even though apparently you come from Virginia? No, don't tell me that. I don't tell. No, I don't. Do I? Jesus I was, Christ! I was getting like. A vaguely British affectation, you know. <laughs> you know, it's funny because you're not the first person to say that, and I can't tell if you're being, uh, if you're joking or not. I guess that's slightly better than Long Island. No, yeah, I'm coming from uh, from the outskirts of the greatest city in the world, New York City. I'm out here in Long Island, but I grew up in Virginia, Virginia originally. Oh, see, it was New England. That was what it was. Probably those accents are kind of uh, descended from old, you know, old British accents. Have you ever heard a Tangiers Island accent? No. Do no. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? So there's this... There's like this, Shriners? No, it's a weird regional dialect. So there's this tiny little island in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay, like between like North Carolina, I suppose, I guess in, in Virginia. And... Um, it's like they're all like they were settled by like, you know, early, very early British colonists. And like up until like 50 years ago, they were basically completely isolated. Um, so they've sort of it's, it's dying out now, but they've sort of kept this um, very British like they sound like, you know, old British sailors. It's very odd. Huh. And, and obviously they're also because they were so isolated, they're probably extremely inbred. So like when you go to this place, like I, I, visit, <laughs> I, I visited this island, man. It is. It's like something out of like it's like Silent Hill or something. Like it's very it's <laughs> right. deep it's deeply yeah weird to, to go there and, and and interact with these people. It's very they've, it's they've very got strange. the Innsmouth look, the broad mouths and the like small ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a weird place. That 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 accent is dying out, but um, it, it's pretty fascinating. Well, speaking of dying out, when I went to the Wikipedia page, the first thing it says is uh, this. Island is expected to be underwater in the next it's sinking. 50 years. Yep, oh, it's, yeah. it's oh, yeah. already lost over fifty percent of its land mass. Yeah, that's true. I have heard Fucking that. That's true. Crazy. Yep. Well, that's a that's a good enough place to to jump into stuff. I guess uh, we we're gonna have to talk about some politics. We've got something planned for uh, later on in the show, but um, just in the uh, I, and we talked about it last week that like the DNC doesn't want to have anything approaching a debate on climate change, right? Um, and it's been pretty amazing to watch how the the different candidates are kind of triangulating sort of around that. Um, just today we saw that South Carolina uh, has banned every single uh, news outlet from covering, including C-SPAN, from covering their big uh, candidate debate. Uh, except for MSNBC, basically MSNBC won't cover any of the gaffes that Joe Biden makes when he's up there. I see. Well, apparently they have some sort of like exclusive with NBC. For so you're talking about this first debate, which is amazingly in seven days. Can you guys believe that shit? Right, yeah. you're talking about they're doing the, the two nights, right? That's seven days from right. now. Right. Yeah. Jesus Christ, everything's just trucking right along. So yeah, night one, you got Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, Beto. 
and then a bunch of losers like uh, Bill de Blasio. <laughs> Andrew Yang is the is the first knight, isn't he? Uh, nope, nope. Yang's on night two, where you, the stars come out. Yeah, Yang is with Bernie. That's weird. We got Biden. We got Bernie. We got Harris. We got Pete Buttigieg. We got Yang. And, of course, John Hickenlooper. You know he's going to be up there scrapping it up. I am firmly on the Hicken wagon. That, uh, I'm throwing all of my support <laughs> behind John Hickenlooper. Hitch to the Hick, yeah. you say. <laughs> There's a guy named John Delaney. Is that, what is that guy? I don't even remember. Marianne Williamson? Who are these people? Yeah, nobody knows who Marianne Williamson is. That, that came up on Twitter a couple of times. Yeah, what was the Ryan one you said? I already forgot his name. Oh, that Tim Ryan guy? Oh, Tim Ryan. Tim yeah. Ryan. Yeah. He sounds like a, uh, a, a, a Tom Clancy character. Oh, what is yeah. His name? yeah Jack Ryan? Or just <laughs> or just a, a clone of, you know, in, any of the other people with the surname Ryan. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, uh, half of these assholes were made in a fucking lab at the Brookings, <laughs> right. Brookings Institute. <laughs> well, the good thing is that so on the first night, uh, they also do have Jay Inslee who is basically the environmentalist candidate. I mean, he's basically running a one-issue campaign. He is the climate change So I, I'm sure it'll yeah. come up at least once. Uh, you know, he'll he'll bring it up somehow, I'm sure. I mean, that's basically what he has going for him, is he's the climate change That'll guy. That'll probably be the only time it's mentioned on both nights. Right. Because they seriously do not want yeah. to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, I mean, like, Liz Warren's big plan for climate change is we need to green the military, which is... I mean, that's true because the military uh, gives off more carbon dioxide, more more carbon emissions than like most of Scandinavia combined. Look, the army's already wearing green. Solar powered army tanks, baby. <laughs> yeah, I can see why a Democrat would make that argument. You know, I, I could see why they would say, well, this is a great thing to do because it's like, I love the military and, you know, appeal to the right. left a little bit and with the solar panels at the same time. It's just a bridge too far to expect anyone to say like, you know, maybe we don't need quite so many right. billion dollar F-35s or whatever flying around all the damn time. Right. Right, right. Yeah, if you want to make the military green, you know, maybe cut its budget and stop building so much of this shit. Or like, you know, redirect the budget to the fucking Army Corps of Engineers to repair all the broken dams in the Midwest or something. Like, it, it seems right. like there's good I mean, to the, be done. The Army Corps, Corps of Engineers is mostly civilian employees anyway. That's not even like, uh, I mean, it, it, it's kind of run through the Army, but it's, it's not really like a military uh, expenditure. Not like... You know, building the what's the fucking plane that can't fly the F thirty five? Oh yeah, the F thirty five, the the uh, the uh, the pilot decapitating machine. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, the thing that can't fly in the rain, and we've spent <laughs> right. so many more billions on it than we've spent on, uh, say, like food stamps in this country. Well, see, that's why global warming is good. Less rain, more F thirty fives. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like they're going to have a chance to try it out real soon because uh, the, the war with Iran is uh, is just marching along. It is oh, it's, it's making yeah. progress. Yeah, I saw a great take today that, um, you know, like the one thing that you can say positively about Donald Trump is that he is too lazy and he gets bored easily to, like, right. stick with these uh, things. Yeah. You know, it, it was a I, I think it was the fucking... Um, like Business Insider published a, an article with the headline that was like, the coup in Venezuela basically failed because Donald Trump got bored with it. Like it just, it didn't go yeah. the way he thought it was going to go. And then he just moved on. Yeah. And, I, and he sort of did that with North Korea as well. Because I remember like, you know, 
this time two years ago, you know, we thought we were on the verge of, uh, of war with, with North Korea, right. and that seems to have, you know, fizzled out as well. Yeah, I mean, he, he loves to, to bomb things. Like, he bombed Syria, and then he, like, when's the last time you heard anybody talk about Syria? Pfft, never. Right. Well, we don't even hear anybody talk about Venezuela anymore. <laughs> no, exactly. So he gave up on that. He gave up on, uh, I remember when they dropped, like, right after he got elected, pretty much, a couple months, he dropped, like, the biggest bomb ever used on right. Afghanistan. <laughs> right. And right. then he was like, victory, yeah. declared victory, use the bomb, yeah. you got it. <laughs> ISIS, is, ISIS is defeated, yeah, because they were all in Afghanistan. Um, no, but I think that, you know, the thing with Iran that is, I think, gets different and, like, makes me nervous is that you've got these fucking ghouls like John Bolton back in there whose, you know, mission for decades has sort of been to level Tehran. You know, I, I think that this is just – I think this goes even beyond just Trump's personal whims. You know, this is like, you know, the war with Iran has really been the State Department's one of their main goals on the agenda for, for decades now. Yeah, thank God you we know. don't have a State Department right now. <laughs> right. Or the, the Secretary <laughs> of Defense or whatever. Uh, but yeah, the thing that scares me a little bit about it is that Trump, uh, he loves to threaten to go to war and then forget about it two days later. But... Uh, he has a tell, which is that you can look at all of his old tweets, and there's a famous tweet where he once accused Obama of trying to start a war with Iran oh, of course. to win yeah. re-election. So it does make me think like, oh, he actually thinks this is like a good re-election strategy is to start bombing Iran. It is. Right. The sad thing is, I don't know that he's wrong because it worked yeah, for it, Bush. It worked, it worked damn well for Bush. Yeah, absolutely. You can't change horses midstream, baby. You remember that? <laughs> remember that slogan got in, from 2004? I literally got in arguments with people like when I worked at Target because we would sit in the break room <laughs> and watch fucking presidential campaign shit. And they'd be like, I hate this war and I and I hate Bush, but, you know, I just think we got to see it through. You know, Kerry wants to cut and run. And it's like, who are like, what is wrong with you? And I, I could just see it <laughs> happening again for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that what's even like, like, I feel like almost every day now with this Iran shit, I'm like, it's like I've just got like this low grade fever, just like watching all this shit happen, yeah. like watching this repeat of, of, of the lead up to the war in Iraq happen all over again. But I think that what's even more chilling is the fact that it almost seems to sort of be happening in the background. Like it's not even like, I feel like it's not even the biggest story day to day, you know, like I remember the, the run up to the Iraq war was like, especially I guess being post 9-11, it was just a different kind of atmosphere. But that was just like – I just remember that being such a big, awful thing that was this – you know what I'm saying? But like th like this, like it just sort of – it seems to be almost tuned out and on the back burner, you know, just slowly building over time. And it's it's not even – like we're not going to – I feel like we're not going to have – like it's not, it's not going to be the same with like fucking Colin Powell going with the fucking right. yellow cake uranium and go fucking going to the UN and all that. Like I don't think we're going to have that big spectacle. I think this is just going to slowly get worse and worse. And before we even realize it, we're going to be fucking, you know, striking them. I've got two points on that. One of them is um, – this isn't an issue of like forever war anymore. This is just what happens when you maintain an empire. Um, sure. Forever war doesn't mean anything to the Roman Empire. They're just kind of constantly maintaining a military and constantly kind of conquering or defending their territories or whatever. So like even the phrase forever war doesn't mean anything anymore. However, as a counterpoint, when we invaded Iraq, 
that was dovetailed onto the invasion of Afghanistan off of 9-11. And there was still a very strong sense of, uh, you know, this this has to do with national security. Uh, this has to do with, you know, getting vengeance for the 3000 people who died on 9-11. And we don't have that with a war in Iran. And I wonder if okay well that's why they're trying so hard well, to that's a make thing. a precipitating event to trigger that they'll do that but other than trump's hooting chuds does anybody really care if like uh, a japanese consumer ship gets blown up in the in in the the persian gulf um in the same way that they they had that kind of visceral experience of watching the twin towers fall i don't think that's true I mean, I well, think, but the no, thing about the, the Iraq war is that they were doggedly focused on it. I mean, the Bush administration was working on that, I mean, literally for years. And they were they were doing all of the work, all of the groundwork to say, we're going to do this. And they pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And so when it happened, I mean, I remember me and you, Matt, were hanging out and on the on like CNN, they literally had a countdown clock. Yeah, that said countdown to war because <laughs> right. they had announced, Hell hey, yeah. we're going to go to war on this date countdown and we're going to invade vengeance. and bomb and all that stuff. Yep. Trump's not going to do that. We're just it's just going to happen because he's just going to get fucking pissed off and just impulsively say, oh, go bomb some shit. Like, it's not going to be like a considered plan. It's just going to be him doing some shit off the cuff. That's the part that scares right. me. Yeah, that was kind of my point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not 100% convinced because, I mean, for one thing, he, he did, I mean, and, and continues to do, at least in public, uh, non-interventionist strategy <laughs> right. for, for America. We can't uh, artillery. She's just going to take us to war. I mean, yeah, he can, he can send drones out to bomb fucking whoever we're bombing right now. And, and of course we've got. It's a lot of people. All sorts of, yeah. Uh, we've got all sorts of military bases and, you know, like in Africa and stuff. And nobody yeah, even knows what the fuck they're other, doing. Yeah, all special ops, dirty wars going on all over sure. the place. All over, I yeah, talked totally. about a long time ago, we were going to do a fun segment, which was like, can you name all of the countries that we're currently at war with? Oh, God, yeah. We and we couldn't even figure it out. We could not even put the list together to do the segment because it's just impossible to even it, know. It would, right. It would be easier to name the ones that were not. <laughs> right. <laughs> Honestly. Because, yeah, I mean, if you look at all that stuff in, in Africa, there's like dozens of countries in Africa that have ongoing like military operations with the U.S. And then if you count, well, what about all the joint exercises that they do right. with all these different And it's like, the list of countries that we're currently like engaged in combat operations in is like in the double digits, like well into the double digits. Well, yeah, I remember like like shortly after Trump, you know, was inaugurated, like within like a month, I think he had that he had his own like first little Benghazi in was it in Niger? Yeah, when those couple guys got and I just remember like what sort of went uncommented on. I was like, okay, well, what the fuck are we doing? in who knew mm-hmm. we were in Niger? What the fu- what the fuck are we doing in Niger? Yeah, and that's why they you know. called the global war on terror, because now you're not at war with, like, any particular country. You're just at war with any country that you don't like. They used to – I mean, this used to be a debate all the time where people would be like, oh, well, we just bombed some people in Pakistan. And then Pakistan would be like, well, you can't fucking do that. And the U.S. was like, right. watch us. <laughs> what are you going to do about it, Pakistan? Right. yeah. And so it's like, are we at war with Pakistan? No. But are we conducting military operations that kill people in Pakistan? Yes. And it's the same thing Thanks, with Obama. this, uh, you know, this precipitating event in Iran that they, you know, may or may not have shot down one of our 
one of our military drones and nobody except people on the left are asking the question, why the fuck did we have drones flying over right. Iran anyway? Right. Yeah, exactly. 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 And now, well, the point that, you know, if I think, I believe at first denying that it even happened, but now I guess the U.S. position is that it was over international waters in the Strait of Hormuz. It wasn't actually over Iranian airspace. I guess that's that's the argument that, that the U.S. is trying to make now. And, and I'll, I'll say um, again, I think that has to do with Trump. I think Trump doesn't actually want to He's too fucking lazy, and he did campaign on, we're not going to try to, like, put more boots on the ground in the Middle East. And so, you know, originally the story coming from Bolton and Pompeo was, Iran shot this down over Iranian airspace, we've got to go in there. And Trump came out and was like, eh, it was probably an accident. <laughs> uh, and I'm not... <laughs> anyway, right. on <laughs> Yo, well, yeah. no, that's the thing. I, I think that his message is... Uh, completely opposed, diametrically opposed to th- these fucking vampires in the, the national security apparatus who they just want the war. They're just looking for an opportunity to do it. And he keeps going right. out there and going like, well, I got my briefing. And it's like, well, it could have been an accident, you know. Well, I think I think what's more important to Trump is instead of the actual war itself is just looking tough. It's oh, just yeah. the posturing. Like it's sure. every that's everything. That's everything with him, you know. Like that's why he appointed Bolton. You know what I mean? And that's what really like to to his, you know, what we what you mentioned earlier the, the the hooting base of of chuds, you know, who who love him. Like oh, that, and they'll go any place. He's. He's the Pied Piper for them. Right, exactly. They'll, they'll go any place he wants. Well, and that's exactly what they respond to because you're talking about, you know, you imagine people who have no understanding of who Iran is or what Iran is. They probably think Iran did 9-11. They probably they, – they just think, you know, they think Iran and <laughs> Afghanistan and Iraq are all the same right. thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. And they, they literally the think that Agrabah is a real place that we need to go to war with. <laughs> yeah, they have dark sorcerers. We need to take yeah, them Yeah, so to them, you know, Trump, you know, putting on this big tough guy show and like standing up for America, you know, it's, it sort of reminds them, I guess, to the boomer chud base. It sort of reminds them they they get all teary eyed and nostalgic, and they remember, you know, Reagan against the Soviet Union in in in, in the eighties. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the kind of shit they really respond yeah. to. It's so easy if someone is it says like, "Hey, Iran took down our drone. Like we need to we need to show them what's up. Like we need to we need to really start bombing them." It's so easy to just flip the script and like, well, if an Iranian drone was buzzing around like offshore in the U.S. (laughs) and we shot it down, would that justify Iran to bomb U.S. military bases? No. Like that would be ridiculous. And everyone would say this is a horrible thing that Iran is trying to do if that happened. But when you flip the script, the Republicans are like, no, this we have to do it or else, you know. Maybe our drones might get broken. <laughs> right. And have you have you seen how close Iran is to our military bases? It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe how, they're encroaching right. on our How space. dare they put a country right in the middle of all of these bases? It's fucked up, dude. As as we talk about this, as we talk about, you know, toughness and military posture, uh, I, I think it's a good time for us to take a break. And uh, when we come back, maybe talk about some of the things that uh, this little group here, Brendan and Chris and Matthew might do uh, if we were elected president. So let's take a break. We'll be back in a minute. The left-wing liberal media have always been a real close-knit family. But most of the American people don't believe them anyway, you see. Before you make your 
confusion If they smell something wrong They're gonna come down strong It's a McCain-Palin tradition Now this old union's got problems That is plain to see The Democrats bankrupted Fannie Mae And Freddie Mac just like one, two, three The bankers didn't want to make all those bad loans But Bill Clinton said you got to Now they want to bail out What I'm talking about is a Democrat liberal hoodoo To me and you John and Sarah tell you just what they think And they're not gonna blink They don't have terrorist friends to whom Alaska's broken condition They're gonna do just fine We're headed for better times It's a McCain-Palin tradition What does make a good president? What makes a strong American leader? Is it willingness to go to war with our enemies? It's dementia. Dementia, apparently. Yeah. Is it yeah, is, is it, it your uh, willingness to compromise with segregationists? <laughs> yeah, is it is it your position is it your position on whether Medicare for all is an absolute or something that we can compromise on with the uh insurance and pharmaceutical companies? But it's all about um, it's all about prog- pragmatic incremental change. And we need to bring everybody to the table right. and by everybody I mean all of you know, the pharmaceutical companies and the yeah. insurance companies and only them. Uh, Chrissy Teigen, who doesn't want her taxes raised, you know, she needs to be part of that discussion. Undecided voter. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, the, the undecided the single voter. Single issue voter. Sure. Maybe no, Trump. I, I don't. Knows? I don't. I don't think that it's any of these. I think that, uh, like, the thing that actually makes a true American leader is what is your comfort food. Um, luckily, uh, the New York Times did some. luckily the new york times did a a little bit of research on this and we have learned what a lot of the uh front runners in this um in the packed democratic primary field consider to be their comfort food let's try try to guess okay um pizza pizza they all said pizza i mean there's a there's a really long list of food i don't know if guessing is going to be great uh, what what's what's your comfort food, Brendan? I mean, I, yeah, the pizza I think is good. <laughs> yeah, oh, I think that's a great go to. Yeah. My um, my six year old daughter despises pizza and will not huh. eat it no matter what kind it is. But she loves pizza lunchables, <laughs> <laughs> which are terrible. <laughs> they they are pretty bad. That's like that cracker with the little cold packets sauce of pet. Uh, oh my god, I remember those. The, yeah, pizza's good. I would go secondary thing. Breakfast breakfast burrito. Breakfast burrito is good. Yeah, I like that. I, li- I think mine. Uh, uh, contrary to your daughter. Um, I think mine is uh, pizza rolls, Totino's pizza rolls with the, I make a little sauce out of like some ranch dressing and sweet and sour sauce and sriracha to dip them in. And it's really good. I bet today, is that what Andrew Yang said? I bet that was Yang's. 
I like a what about you, Chris? Uh, I like a good hearty. I'm a I'm a soup man. I like a good hearty soup or a stew. I, yeah, soup. Is I really good. like. You yeah. guys ever had pho? You guys ever had Vietnamese noodle sure. noodle soup? Yeah, I love that shit. Absolutely. Yeah, I m- I make a really good uh, kind of like Irish inspired potato soup that is probably mm. like second place for me. Hell yes, mm. uh, for I do for love comfort potato food. Soup. Um, so yeah, so th- there was this uh, tweet that went out that this is based on. Uh, New York Times interviews and hard hitting uh, journalism. <laughs> hard hitting journalism. Um, for instance, uh, Tulsi Gabbard likes vegan cupcakes. That's her comfort food. Wow, what a way to indulge. Yeah, I that one feels like pandering to me. Well, they all bit. feel Did like she yeah. eat the vegan. She's like, no, no, yeah. I just just, <laughs> just love the cupcakes. Yeah. Do you like me yet? Is this what you people want? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, now, uh, Liz Warren did say chips and guacamole, which I think that's a solid uh, choice for comfort. I'll food. endorse that. Yeah, I like to I like to dip chips and I like guacamole also. That's that's actually that that qualifies. She's uh, such a millennial similarly. in her avocado toast, man. Right. I tell you, yeah, that, right. that <laughs> uh, Kamala Harris says uh, French fries, hot sauce. Oh. Uh, yeah, right. No, French fries. French fries. That's that's good comfort food. You know, too. that's a good answer because that's very relatable. Um, right. Excellent politician answer there. You can't argue with that. You can't be like, well, she's pandering with French fries because it's like, dude, it's French fries, man. Like, yeah. so everybody loves it. Well, the, fr- the yeah. what she, what she yeah, didn't totally. mention is that the French fries are only for her, and everybody else gets the cold bologna sandwiches that everybody <laughs> she puts in, in prison got. She's like Chick Fil A waffle fries only. Hashtag Pride Month. <laughs> Yeah, every, everybody else gets a cold bologna sandwich or uh, an entire tractor trailer full of corn dogs for every single meal right. for three months. Right. You get yeah, yeah. You get some <coughs> you get some ketchup packets and some ramen noodles and some Fritos, and you gotta you gotta <laughs> right. make it up and do a meal yourself like you're in prison. Yeah, yeah. You make your uh, you make your little prison taco, and you know that's was that's Buttigieg good in there? Well, what did Buttigieg say? I, Buttigieg wasn't. Oh no, he was. Uh, Buttigieg is. God, God, that's still so hard to say. Buttigieg's <laughs> comfort food, you know, was go ahead foie gras. <laughs> I really resent that I have to because I really resisted for a long time learning how to pronounce his last name, and and I, I really that's the worst part about doing a podcast. You have to say stuff out. Loud yeah, I all really, the time. I really, res- I resent the fact that I know how to pronounce it now because I was blissfully <laughs> ignorant to it for a good solid month and a half when he, when I, when he first announced <laughs> well, his candidacy. Once I bought those t-shirts, I said I, I have to pronounce it correctly now. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan was our uh, our Buttigieg boy there for a little while until he started to go completely off the rails. You know, a lot of people are <laughs> asking me icon. a lot of people are asking me questions about my Buttigieg for President t-shirt that are already answered by my t-shirt. <laughs> Boot edge edge, guys. <laughs> yeah. So what well, was so, this comfort uh, food? Yeah, so Buttigieg said that his comfort food was beef jerky. Okay, that's a good road snack. It's I, a I'm road not snack. hating that. It's very Indiana it a, answer. It's not really a comfort food. That's a thing you eat when you're on a road trip. Yeah, I think this reveals a lot. You know, I, I started out making fun of this segment as not hard-hitting journalism, but I think this is an, actually a, a really uh, eye-opening like introspection into what these candidates think America wants them to say. <laughs> right. Well, let me drop this one on you then. Uh, Cory Booker, veggies. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is very, he is a very health conscious guy. Sure. Uh, I think Michelle Obama told him to say that because of her, uh, her healthy eating campaign. I don't they, fucking collusion. care. 
veggies is not a comfort food. A, it's not a food that's too nonspecific. See, they cut off his the second part of his answer, which was just drenched in uh, ranch dressing. Uh, just, <laughs> right. just covered, just in a bucket of, of ranch. I mean, I, I would actually go, I, I would actually understand that a little bit more, you know. He or, missed or like, his opportunity uh, you know, to pander to like the Midwest. The, yeah, sure, the broccoli <laughs> yeah, dish yeah. at uh, <laughs> TGI Fridays that they just cover in fucking bacon and cheese, you know. Yeah, all those those people in Iowa, they sure love corn. Let's just say veggies. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of vegetables, uh, Amy Klobuchar said baked potato. And that one, <laughs> that one I'll actually say, like, that's that's okay. Uh, depending on how you doctor the baked potato, that's probably an okay comfort food. Well, she likes to oh, yeah, she, she likes to up. heat them up and then throw them at her staff. You know what I mean? She's like she wants she, she wants <laughs> right. yeah, she wants her airborne projectiles to be fresh out of the oven and it's scalding. Yeah. You know? Wait, is that is that Klobuchar? No, we're thinking of. Uh, no, that was Klobuchar. That was Klobuchar. Throwing the binders. Throwing the binders. Throwing the binders. You know, she, 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 you know, how she really would have owned her critics and leaned into the criticism was if she'd said salads. Because remember, she was the one that ate her, <laughs> that the, ate the salad right, with a comb. Yeah, yeah she really blew, right, she really blew right. that opportunity to be funny yep. and relatable, I guess. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the, the other ones here are kind of interesting. Um, Williamson, who's who's Williamson again? Marianne, we were, Marianne Williamson. She said no, she Williamson. said nothing, right? <laughs> yeah, she said I have no comfort food. I am a robot. Yeah, her comfort her comfort <laughs> right. food is just good vibes and spiritual enlightenment. <laughs> so no comfort food for Marianne Williamson. She gets all the comfort she needs from her healing crystals. Yeah, right. And then you've got a uh, Julian Castro who said iced tea. Which, <laughs> <laughs> not a food. fucking moron. <laughs> not a food. I, 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 ima- I imagine him like tearing the tea bags open with his teeth and just eating the dry tea <laughs> out of him. <laughs> oh nah, he's a he's a Texas boy. I assume that he means you know like Texas brewed like sweet tea, you know like Southern beverage, but still not a food. exactly not a food. Just Did you a put beverage. rum in it or something? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that guy has ever had a day of fun in his entire life. Um, as opposed to uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, who named whiskey as her comfort Hell food. yeah. Hell yeah. Back yeah. in it. See, that's what I'm saying. It's like, what the fuck? I love Gillibrand now? <laughs> she seems okay. I don't know. I- I'll be really interested to see how these debates go, because uh, with so many candidates, you know they've just got to bring the craziness to the forefront or else they're just going to get no one's going to notice or remember them so it's going to be hilarious to watch them just clamoring over themselves you know talk about how much whiskey they down it's really interesting you mentioned that brandon because it I, I agree that that would be the smart tactic but it seems like a lot of people are just trying to be like different differenter versions of people who are already front runners uh, you know, you got like sure, yeah, Buddha Judge sort of stepping up and filling the vacuum of of Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, like why would you need Amy Klobuchar if you've got Joe Biden? Because those things are the presidencies would basically be the same, um, except Biden has more name recognition. It's like why don't you try to distinguish yourself somehow? Yeah, that's why I'm hoping Beto comes out. And he just like goes full scorched earth and he's like, fuck this old dude. I'm like Biden, but young yeah, and right. virile. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be amazing. And punk rock as hell. 
Hell yeah, he's yeah. gonna fucking do a kickflip yeah. over Biden's uh, podium. He's gonna he's, he's, awesome. he's gonna come out on the stage of the, the debates and do his best Gigi Allen impression. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that is the thing though. It's like uh, it, you've got so many of these kind of like back of the pack uh, Democratic candidates who don't seem to want to criticize Joe Biden for anything. It's like, why? This is a primary. Like, you're trying to stand out in a field. Why not be, you know, if you get, like, John Hickenlooper going out there and being like, like, I've got all the same policies as Joe Biden, but I'm not a racist, like, sex pest. You know, that would <laughs> actually make a splash. Was, Hicken, yeah, was Hickenlooper's totally. comfort uh, Was Hickenlooper's, uh, comfort food fracking fluid? <laughs> right. Chugging <laughs> it yeah. by the gallon. He was like, weed, which I didn't support. But, but, but now I'm the weed guy, apparently. Right. Yeah, so the, uh, you know, that's, that's one way to pick, um, who, who is going to be, you know, the best president by comfort food. I think, uh, the three of us had better <laughs> answers than most of these folks did. Warren was probably the, what's that? Was Biden on there? Did we say no, that? No, there's not a Biden on there. Oh. Was Bernie on, was yeah. Bernie on there? Cause Bernie strikes, we, Bernie we strikes me, Bernie. Bernie strikes me as a big diner food guy. Bernie likes a nice oh, yeah. big plate of, of, of fried eggs and corned beef hash. Yeah, Borscht. no, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah, Biden's, uh, I've got to assume, is he's probably just like a steak and potatoes sort of guy, right? <laughs> Isn't he from like Philly? Maybe he's like a Philly cheesesteak dude or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, sure. You know, that would endear him to a lot of the country. Just a, a nice Philly cheesesteak, wit and whiz, you know? They they could they, <laughs> they, they couldn't include Biden's answer because he said, he actually said fried chicken to try to uh, uh yeah, 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 yeah 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 totally for the black, for, i think he, for the I black think he said like uh teenage scalps <laughs> and they were like too far bro <laughs> yeah and uh and no beto on here either but then nobody ever talks about beto well anymore, everybody knows so. that his favorite is whataburger or whatever so oh yeah done. yeah that's true moving yeah. on what a burger's fine, I guess. It's it's fine. In and Out is better. I say in and Out is better. Somebody who lives in. I've never had What a Burger. In and Out is. I've got one though. within walking distance of my house, and like, I don't understand why it's such a big deal. I don't know. It's like Californians with In and Out Burger. It's just it's above average fast food, I guess. It's fine. In and Out rules, and I will. That is the one hill I will die on. Y'all are missing out on Runza. I'm I'm saying it's fine. It. <laughs> yeah, Runza's great. You know. Yeah, we need a uh, we need Ben Nelson to run for run for president and say that run uh, uh just an old fashioned runza with cheese is his favorite. What is a what is a runza? A runza is a local fast food joint in uh, Omaha and uh, in, in other I, Midwestern states. They have them in like Kansas and other places, Iowa and stuff like that now. But uh, they make really good uh, uh, burgers and they also have their signature dish, which it, it's kind of like a hot pocket. It's, a, like it's a, a pierogi. Yeah, it's like a long kind of pierogi-ish kind of thing. Hell yes. But essentially, it's like a Hot Pocket type food where they put meat and cheese inside of it. Yeah, it's like onions and cheese and cabbage and... I'm all yeah, about a good pierogi. Whatever meat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Runza's, Runza's fantastic. So, shout out to Runza. Runza, if you want a sponsorship deal, please reach out to us. We would be happy to do that. We've talked about you enough on this show that you probably owe us backpack. <laughs> I'll just take free food. On that note, we're gonna we're gonna switch tack a little bit because another important thing when you run for president is to know exactly what your campaign song would be. So there was a tweet today that said, "If you're running for the president, 
the song that is going to be your campaign anthem is the song that was number one on the Billboard Top 100 the week that you were born. Oh, geez. I got to look. I got to look this up now. Yeah, both of you are going to have to look this up. What's the best way to do this? Well, just I what I did was I just Googled number one hot 100 and then the date of my birth and it, it pops it up. Chris, you need to do this too. I am. We'll edit out. We'll edit out all of the awkward. So number uh, one, editor, hot or, 100, and then my birthday. That's right. I can go ahead and say what mine was. For before we do that, let's okay. talk about the best campaign song of all time, which is Donald Trump, who closes every rally that he does with "You Can't Always Get What You Want" by the Rolling Stones, <laughs> <laughs> which is just amazing. It's too perfect. <laughs> yeah, which is a uh, <laughs> that's pretty amazing for him. I, it, amazing in several ways. A, he's always gotten no matter what he wanted. And, <laughs> I, and then, well, he's talking I, to you. You see, that, that's not yeah, just directly then, for the and audience. And then I guess the message to his voters is like, well, just be, you know, if you try sometime, you get what you need, which also isn't fucking true under the Trump administration. All right. All right. All right. Who's ready? Who's going first? Matt? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. So I, I was pretty pleased because, uh, you know, depending on what week the the thing got released, you may have something that is really good or really bad. For instance, uh, my mom's was uh, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow by the Shirelles, which is like, that is the worst, like, low-energy campaign song I could possibly think of. Uh, but mine actually came out pretty good. Mine is uh, Jump by Van Halen. <laughs> Jump in that race, buddy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Isn't that song, like, about suicide? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> could be. It could be, but it's very energetic. Nobody's going to listen to the lyrics anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's not bad, I guess. Um, yeah, mine's mine's a weird one. Okay. This would be June 11th, 1984, Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. Yeah. That's all right. I can dig it. A little bit of a more mellow approach. Very mellow, but everybody loves that song. They'll be singing it at your rallies. So, okay. So mine, this is interesting. Mine is also mellow. Mine is uh, off of their seminal album, The Joshua Tree. This is U2's, oh. U2's With or Without You, um, which quite honestly, I, I, I hate the song, man. It is, it's, it's like, it is the most, it is one of the most overplayed, I feel like, songs on any sort of classic rock station. So uh, that's disappointing. Yeah, also not great for... Uh well, I don't know. It's, it works pretty well as a campaign song if it's your followers singing it. Um, although they are saying that they can't live with you either. Right. Well, I guess I guess it would also be great, you know, if you're Joe Biden, like from the perspective of Joe Biden, like, look, I'm doing this whether you assholes want me to or not. You know? <laughs> right. Or I don't need your fucking vote. From, Stay home. Or from the perspective of the working class under Joe Biden, who. They can't live without him, but they're also not going to be able to live for very long with him because he's just going to, you know, perpetuate, you know, neoliberal austerity. So, so check this out. So I, I was like, let's do this for Trump. It was just Trump's birthday. His birthday is on <laughs> June 14th. Let's do Trump's birthday. Trump okay. was born in 1946. The ultimate, wow. the er baby boomer. And the Billboard Hot 100 did not exist. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. they did chart it. So this would be the Gypsy 
by the ink spots. Huh. <laughs> we'll have to do that as a as an interlude. I'm not sure. I, 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 say, yeah, I, I would, yeah, I would love to hear that. You should close the episode with that song. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know what we're using for our bump at the end of this segment. So while we're on the topic of campaign songs, I'd like to take this opportunity to discuss the greatest campaign song of all time. And Matt, I, I don't know if I've ever forced you to listen to this because I forced like everybody that comes close to me to listen to this. But so okay. in 2008. Uh, Hank Williams Jr. reworked his classic song "Family Tradition" for the McCain, the John McCain for president. Of campaign. course, he did. <laughs> Hank Williams Jr. the worst of the Hank Williams. Absolutely, it's called uh, "McCain Pale and Tradition," and man, it it, ju- oh it just God. slaps. It's so funny. It's so People funny. It is, remix. it is such a time. It is especially to listen to it now because it was absurd then, but like to listen to it now, it is such a time capsule of like early era Obama conservative resentment you know like there's like a bill Ayers reference there's like a there's like a line about obama and his, ter- and his, oh, ter- his, his yeah. terrorist friends you know um yeah it's uh I, I highly recommend anybody listen to that song well that reminds me of uh there there's been i think topping the country charts just recently is a song called um stop talking about politics <laughs> uh, which is by a dude who is a, a sometimes Fox News contributor. And in fact, the uh, the music video for this song is partially him performing it on like Fox and Friends. Hell yeah. Uh, and he's singing about like, you know, that means like, the oh, president it's, it's has seen shut it. up. Sh- it's shut up about politics. That's what it's called. Um, but he's like he specifically calls that the the Green New Deal in the song. Of course. So it's not so much. Does he mention shut up about politics? Does he mention cow farts? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I no. <hope> so. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, so it's not so much about shut up about politics. It's shut up about the kind of politics that I don't like. I think this guy also has performed at a bunch of Trump right. rallies. And, I don't want to you know, talk about met. things that make me sad. Yeah. Do you remember when that person uh, tweeted, uh, you know, whenever I hear fight song, I still, you know, get all teary eyed and, and I pumped still tear up. up. <laughs> but I yeah. mean, frankly, so do I. Uh, <laughs> for just different for reasons. completely different reasons. Yeah, there is a great Wikipedia list of, uh, of campaign songs and uh, there's, some, there's some great stuff in there. <laughs> I mean, Timothy Leary used uh, Come Together by the Beatles when he ran for governor of California, which I always thought was a pretty baller move. A lot of, a lot of country on this list. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, this used to be a thing like way back in the day that they would have like um, like official songs or whatever, like freaking like, you know, Nixon or whatever was like getting people to be like, it's the Nixon, it's time for Nixon or whatever, yeah. like shit like that. They should totally bring that back. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, we talked about William Henry Harrison when Mac was on the program a couple of months ago, and he had, like, you know, somebody wrote a whole thing about, uh, you know, and together we'll beat Little Van, which was a reference to Martin Van Buren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So have you ever Take heard it. of this thing from the 70s called song poems where you could, like, I guess you could, like, write in your song lyrics to like, I don't know where you would even get the fuck from. Like, you could like order it out of like a magazine or like in the back of albums or something, and you could like send in your song lyrics, and they would record it for you. And there's this there's this somewhat famous one, and it's fucking cool. You should listen to it. It's called Jimmy Carter Says Yes, and okay. <laughs> it's like it's like a disco song about Jimmy Carter. 
Hell yeah. Yeah, it kind of slaps, actually. We've got too many bumps for this episode already. <laughs> Maybe we'll make the Jimmy Carter one the bump for after this segment, and we'll do the <laughs> Trump one for before. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't wait. I, I can't wait to hear all the, the wonderful songs that uh, all these candidates are going to play. It's going yeah, to be a great time out there, for yeah, sure. Betty O'Rourke is going to pick something by the Strokes, and it'll just be like <laughs> the cheesiest, like most obvious like punk song you could think of. Yeah, I think... Uh, what was that fucking uh remember when uh john ashcroft or whatever wrote his own like patriotic song and oh, then like God, sang it that's in the- right yeah <laughs> they should bring that back amy, amy, they should amy, bring him on tour is he still alive I, probably amy klobuchar's campaign song is gonna be smack my bitch up <laughs> <laughs> r.i.p r.i.p <laughs> well i think we uh i think we solved the the case gentlemen i think that those are the things that we really need to have completely locked down for when each of us runs against each other in a uh, presidential primary in 2028. Um, we'll be fighting about favorite foods, favorite comfort foods, and, you know, what what the best song is. But, um, you know, with that, I think it's, it's time for us to take another little break. We'll pick one of these songs to play for you for a bump. And when we come back, we'll take this show out on a high note, as we always do. Can our government be competent? Jimmy Carter says yes. Jimmy Carter says yes. Can our government be honest? Jimmy Carter says yes. Jimmy Carter says yes. Can our government... Be decent and open As the 39th president He has spoken, yes Jimmy Carter says yes So, uh, we've got breaking news here Coming across the wire It says, uh, real Donald Trump today Approved a strike against Iran But pulled back later in the evening Even as the military was poised to launch So, you know <laughs> Everything is fine, guys. You know, I, we're, we're seeing him just like we were just discussing. We're seeing him get bored with this in real time. It's playing out. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a high note right there. You know, the war <laughs> right. with Iran was prevented again thanks to the tireless efforts of Donald Trump's degenerated brain. <laughs> it's a real patriot. I'm not sure if tireless is exactly the right adjective. You know, it's it's funny, and I just want to mention, I'm looking at this DM from my friend, shout out to Mike the Burrito on Twitter right now. He was saying, hey, Mike Burrito. He was saying, I guess, that um, Hannity all night was like going ballistic. There was like a bunch of clips someone posted from the Hannity show tonight about like how we need to absolutely bomb the hell out of Iran right now. And like, I guess that makes sense now in the context that like Trump absolutely told him it's happening or whatever. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That I guess he decided not yeah. to. And, and then he knew obviously that Trump was watching Fox news because that's all he ever does. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's, that's really, I guess that's the high note. That's the most comforting thing is that really, yeah. really our president's closest advisors are Sean fucking Hannity and like Steve Ducey and Brian Kilmeade. Well, and that's, that's totally true too. I don't know if anyone else saw the clip, but uh, I, I think it was uh, Andrew Lawrence, um, friend of the show, posted a clip the other day that was like, look at this question from Sean Hannity about the deep state interference in the Trump campaign. And the question from Sean was three minutes long where he just named, you know, just thing after thing after thing. 
and then finally wrapped up with like, so, Mr. President, does, you know, would you say that there was interference? You know, were, was the deep state, <laughs> deep state spying on your campaign? And there's this long pause as you can hear the the churning of the oatmeal uh, that is the man's brain. Uh, and finally, he's just like, yeah, you know, uh, we'll, we'll find all that out. But if you're asking me what I personally think, like, yeah, absolutely. But... Sean Hannity is much more of an advisor to Trump than anybody who's, you know, sitting in the sit room. Absolutely. Nobody has more time with him than the Fox News hosts. And it's it's incredible to just, just just imagine being the president of the United States and like having access to like all of the most privileged information in the world and having like the opportunity to get daily briefings from the intelligence services and then to, to, to choose to ignore all that and then just instead get all of your information from like fucking Sean Hannity. And Twitter. <laughs> Don't forget Twitter. Absolutely. Too, Absolutely. Which is which is amazing because you know he's just on there all the time. Just looking at like fucking Laura Loomer fans and shit right. like that. And, it's it's absolutely nuts. And looking at all of the hashtag resistance, owning him in his replies and calling him Captain Cadet Bone Spurs, and just getting really just getting really sad about it. Getting angry and bombing Iran and then not. Yeah. Do you think he actually <laughs> checks his replies? I've wondered oh, that. Oh, absolutely. I don't see how he he couldn't possibly not. He must. He goes to the search bar and then he just types his own name. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he just types Trump. And then he just he just goes. I mean, that would enrage anybody. Twitter user Ragnarok Lobster, very nasty, very nasty guy. That's actually true. The Ragnarok Lobster, <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he that is a terrible sucks. guy. <laughs> because you know he can't he can't use Twitter by just checking his feed because he only follows forty people. Oh yeah, and they're just like his family and Fox News hosts, right? And his own properties. Yeah, they he... don't even tweet enough to fill up his feed with anything. <laughs> he right, through that in like thirty seconds. Yeah. You know, I call on China to hack his phone and and just release the screen grabs oh my of God. him using Twitter. It would be China amazing. hacked his phone fucking four years ago. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I call on them to release all the the emails, please. <laughs> well, I, I feel like a very clever hacker could certainly just like hack his Twitter feed and just fill it with like very slickly done like fake profiles of Sean Hannity and people like advising him to not. Obama ran yeah, and sure. to leave Venezuela alone. I mean, you don't even have to hack his Twitter feed because all you need to do is hack his brain. I mean, he will retweet literally anyone who compliments him and not even vet them at all, <laughs> including like verified Russian bots. Right. And he, he retweets uh, Bill Mitchell all the time, who is literally a QAnon guy, which is that's very fucking cool. Yeah, Extremely I, cool. I loved watching his uh, his his Trump rally where Proud Boys just just marching in and uh, you know QAnon t shirts and stuff. Oh yeah, that's been great. Yeah, you know if it wasn't happening in reality, it, it would be hilarious for sure. <laughs> if it was, yeah, if, if QAnon wasn't an extremely dangerous death cult, it would all be such a silly sideshow. <laughs> I was driving around the other day and I saw someone had stuck an Infowars bumper sticker to like a stoplight. <laughs> on my way home and i was just like you know what good good on you man i mean you're out there you know you're out there spreading the word sticking you're those... spreading your truth that's the real info war these <laughs> <laughs> women <laughs> so yeah my high note this week is a is a little bit of a weird one so last week i talked about socialist video games yeah and bernie sanders who we know is a huge fan of the show frequent guest yep you know listened to that segment and then started tweeting about how much he loves video game unions 
Yeah. <laughs> did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah. I did see that. Well, yeah. I mean, a little bit. Yeah, he tweeted like, "Yo, solidarity to uh, to everybody joining a video did game." Did he actually say yo? In my in my brain, he did. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. The SJWs, they're reducing the breast size, <laughs> ruining video games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's actually a pretty big labor issue, right? That uh, you've got these big games, especially the big game studios, where as they get closer to release time, they're making their employees work 80 or 90 hour weeks. People are sleeping under their desks. Well, and then um, getting fired as soon as the game ships because, hey, job job's right. done. Yeah, so that's a prime target for actual labor organization. And I'm not surprised that... I, I'm more surprised that Bernie noticed that it was video games than I am he's surprised that he's standing up for those workers. But yeah, he, he shouted out uh, Game Workers Unite, uh, which is, you know, kind of a, a collectivist movement to spread unionization across uh, across the tech workers and the and the video game workers union. So... Hell yeah. It's pretty amazing. He's actually given some uh, some shout outs to that. I think it's great. It's a really cool to see to see an industry pushing for that because it, unions have been on the decline for so long that to see, you know, fresh new activity is pretty inspiring. Given what you talked about last week, which was that you're seeing more uh, sort of overt leftism in video games. Do you think that there's a, a correlation there? Do you think that uh, the people who are working in these exploitative working environments are pushing sort of a narrative uh, because they're they're being abused at work and so they're trying to get these storylines into various Well, I think games. absolutely. That's an interesting thought. You you write what you know. I mean, games are are art. It's a it's a form of artistic expression. Sure. So the people who are making those games, you know, they're going to make things that that they're thinking about that are, you know, the things that they see in their own lives and their aspirations and, and goals and things like that. So, yeah, it, it obviously, you know, has to work itself in there in some way. And, and it seems like there is a, a huge movement among that audience to get the word out about, you know, these different ideas and, and different concepts. And it's pretty cool. Like we talked about, yeah, like we talked about uh, several months ago with, uh, John Levitt about how it's so weird that uh, Disney released Newsies, which <laughs> right. is about a bunch of workers unionizing, uh, except if you consider it like maybe that's not so weird. Maybe it's not weird that a bunch of Disney workers decided to write a unique, uh, an original story about a bunch of workers unionizing yeah. against a, a terrible boss. There was an amazing video. I think it was last year where some... Uh some video game company, you know, released a game and they were like, in this game, you have to fight, you know, the evil CEO of, you know, this security company, this tech company who's like taking over the world and you've got to lead the resistance and take him down. And they showed like a picture of him and he looked almost exactly like the CEO of the company. And people were <laughs> like, this is obviously like these people making this game and this company were like, we hate this guy so much who's our own CEO that we're literally <laughs> going to make him the evil corporate overlord villain of our video game. And you know what? That guy was probably like, oh, thank you. What an honor to be included. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a win-win for everybody. Well, while we're on the, the topic of sort of online, I guess, sort of technology related stuff, I guess my high note for this week is um, it. everybody who listens to the show knows that uh, I founded and continue to moderate uh, the Men's Lib subreddit. And we had a really interesting kind of a treat this week where a post-grad student 
wrote a paper about men's lib comparing us to the men's rights subreddit and did a bunch of uh, linguistic analysis to figure out uh, it, not coming at this thing from uh, an ideological perspective, just looking at the language that the two subreddits use. And it was very interesting for us to see the way that we compare to the men's rights subreddit. Well, one of the things that, that really stuck out to me was we get accused by uh, dudes who use the words, you know, like soy boy or cuck or whatever all, all the time of like men's lib is completely about, you know, talking about women's issues and men are ancillary to that. But then when you actually look at the linguistic breakdown of the two subs, men's lib uses the word men, male masculinity way more than men's rights does uh men's rights uses the the terms women she her a lot more than uh men's lib does so that was that was very that was very nice like now at this point when somebody says oh men's lib just focuses on women's issues we can say like ah actually science says you're wrong (laughs) Um, we have the data to prove it. Yeah, one of the things that stuck out to me also was that, you know, in the the analytical breakdown of the, like, top 100 terms used on both of the subreddits, men's rights uses the words bitch. That's number one? The, no, 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 no. Just it's in their top 100. Like, the nasty C word for women. Those made their top 100 where they don't pop up at all anywhere on the men's lib analytics. And on the men's rights subreddit, when somebody finally did cross post it over there, you had a bunch of guys complaining about, uh, well, one of the things that the study doesn't take into account is the moderation style. And so that's going to that's going to skew <laughs> that's going to skew the politics one. of the thing. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> yes. I mean, you're begging the question at that point, because obviously the moderation style is going to affect that's going to be reflective of the politics of the two communities. Well, there's only you know? so much trash on our side because we let people throw trash. <laughs> exactly. Around. So exactly that's why there's so much right. trash. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's unfair to, to compare. <laughs> Absolutely nailed it. Yeah. So that's, that's my high note for this week that uh, we were big enough for somebody to do a study on. And we also came out looking uh, pretty nice compared to our, you know, we don't usually frame it this way, but like our direct competitor in that sphere, we look a lot better than they do. So, well, science has a clear liberal bias, <laughs> right? We, everybody knows that. How about you, Chris? What What do you got for a for a high note? You don't get to use the Trump thing because that's, that's <laughs> oh come a, on, that's a high note for he all of us. He prevented the war in Iran. That's a high note what for all of us. You know, I guess it was about a week ago, but uh, Bernie Sanders' big, you know, why democratic socialism speech. I mean, I guess it's just good. You know, we all know, obviously, that he's a socialist or democratic socialist, but it's it's good to see him be willing to make a speech like that on the national stage and put everything in such blunt terms to really draw to really draw the line yeah. about, you know, here is the ruling class, here is the capitalist class, here is why capitalism is failing, here is why socialism, rather than this sort of mealy mouth pragmatic liberalism that's failed us, like this is why, you know, why socialism is 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 the answer to these societal ills, you know, and it's it's really the Overton window, although it's it seems to have shifted so far to the right, you know, with the rise of Trumpism and with the 
rise of the alt right and everything as well. But it really seems like since since Bernie's campaign in 2016, I mean, to to have a speech like that, to have these ideas be given a national platform and to receive any kind of coverage on any sort of major news network, you know, or to see a major political candidate do a speech like that, you know, that's it would have been unimaginable just two or three years ago. It's not that hard to do the work where you just say, hey, you probably heard a lot about socialism and you don't really know what it is. It's about helping people versus just trying to make as much money as you can right. and screw how many people you hurt. Like, that's all it is. And then when people hear that, they're like, oh, I guess that actually doesn't sound so bad. I thought it was bad for some reason. Right. And as far as the Overton window goes, maybe we're using the wrong terminology because I'm not sure that I'm not sure the Overton window shifts as much as we think it does. I think that the Overton window gets broader or narrower. And what we've had in the past, you know, say four years or so, is a wild broadening of the Overton window where you do have, you know, hard nationalist white supremacists that are now included in the national dialogue. But on the other hand, the other pane of the window uh, the other threshold is shifting further and further to the left, where now you have, you know, appearing on MSNBC, Fox News even, talking about, uh, you know, the the problem with wealth inequality and, you know, just wild runaway, um, like, like wage stagnation and things like that. So, well, I think there is media representation of that window pane. Uh, being shattered by Antifa. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely... The mainstream media will definitely cover that. So the left definitely has uh, representation. So there. I guess, you know, also I guess another high we'll note in, in a bit of personal news, you know, I mean, my, my life isn't entirely just being mad online. You know, we also need to uh, take some time aside for self-care, I suppose. One of the things I really enjoy doing is going to see live music. And uh, last weekend, I went up to Westchester County, New York on the Hudson River, and I went to the uh, the Pete Seeger Clearwater Music Festival and uh saw some good uh oh, nice. saw some good bluegrass bands and uh some good music there and then actually this weekend this Sunday I'm going to see Dead and Company which is an offshoot of the Grateful Dead featuring some of their original members so Grateful Dead have been a big uh for, for better or for worse you know they've really been a big part of my life uh for a long time so I'm pretty excited to um Go and go and do that again. So that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Also, um, the same night. So I'm I'm actually I'm sober. You know I'm uh, and um, this uh, this Sunday will be my nine months sober. So that's a big uh, that's a big milestone for me as well. So wow. hell yeah, man. Thank you. That's awesome. Did, so did Kristen Gillibrand lose your vote then? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll still I'll still appreciate it. I still like a I still like a good bur- a good bourbon bastard. Hell yeah! I think that's as good as any a high note to take our show out on. Chris, thank you so much for joining us here on Liquid Flannel. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Uh, where can people find you online? So you can find me. Most of the time, steaming mad online, but uh, completely cool and calm and collected about it at uh, at MullerDad69. You're extremely funny on there. You do a really good job. Oh, thank you. Not the not the dirtbag left, not the irony left, the full 
Jonathan Swift satire about. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's awesome, man. We, we've been glad to have you with us. Uh, obviously, audience, if you're listening to the show, you already know that you can find us on Twitter at liquid underscore flannel. I'm Matthew Hodges. I'm on Twitter at Matthew Gwait with the W and Brendan. I'm at Brendan Williams with one L. And, Thanks uh, for hanging out, guys. Yeah, dude, it was, it was uh, a lot of fun. Thanks again, Chris. Rock and roll. Sweet. We'll see you all next week. If I ran, doesn't bomb us. Yeah, that's right. Gotta watch out. <laughs>